This is Help Wanted, the show that tackles all the big work questions you cannot ask anyone else. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, Editor-in-Chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. And I'm New York Times bestselling author and money expert, Nicole Lappin. The helpline is open. Today on Help Wanted, I am calling the helpline. There's a lot of chatter in the business world about building community. This has always been the focus internally at companies wanting to build their workplace culture. But now the idea of community is happening direct to consumer. Influencers are now looking to build communities. Solopreneurs are now looking to build communities. And yes, companies are still in the mix, but now they're looking externally to building a community with their customers. I'm thinking about this too. MNN has a community of lovely, lovely listeners like yourself. But should I be doing a better job engaging this lovely community and introducing you guys to each other? Probably. So today, Jason and I call up Ryan Bogan, president of Patau, a community that I've been a member of. Yes, I will tell you what Patau means in just a second. But in this conversation, I wanted Ryan to tell me how to create a valuable community. But Jason and Ryan flip the script back on me and ask me what I find so valuable about Patau to then reverse engineer what kind of community I should create. And you will also hear how Ryan has been taking his president duties to the next level recently by trying to match make me and a football player who shall remain nameless. We are bleeping out his name for his privacy and uh, for my sanity. Ryan Bogan, welcome to Help Wanted. It is a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. I am so, so excited to have you because you run an organization I talk about all the freaking time. So before we get going, can you just explain to Jason? Because Jason, do you know what Patau stands for? No, but I've heard you say Patau many times. <laughs> and it sounds like an STD kind of. Yeah, that's you always say that. I have to say that it to me sounds more like the original Batman uh, noise, you know, like when smack, wham, Patow. Thank you, Jason. That is a much more acceptable thing to be associated with. <laughs> you guys haven't been out in the dating world for a long time. <laughs> uh, just got a case of the Patows. This is going to be great for our marketing content. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so what do you think it stands for, Jason? Patow. So first of all, you have to figure out how to spell it. This by itself would be a violation of people's usual suggestions for how to name something is that you should be able to spell it as soon as you hear it, because I'm not sure if it's P-T-A-W or P-T-O-W or maybe something totally different. Patau. Or maybe there's a U and not a W. I don't know. But Ooh. I'm just going to go with P, professional. T, uh, professional. Uh, <laughs> translators, anonymous, <laughs> who are women. I don't know. I have no idea. That's amazing. But to be fair, Ryan did not name the organization. <laughs> he just runs it. That is that is correct. But, you know, you got to you got to love and embrace the name. So it stands for plan to take on the world. P-T-T-O-W. Oh, there's two T's. There's a silent T that's not allowed. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tricky. Exactly. And it's not, as our co-founder Jim Solis likes to say, it's not in the evil, sinister way of plan to take on the world. It's more of that little kid in his bedroom, superhero vibe type plan to take on the world. Right, because I do picture Mr. Burns tapping the fingers as he <laughs> plans to take over the world. Okay. But in an empowering way. Roman... Sunder, co-founder, also said he couldn't get into Allen & Company, I think. So he started the cooler Allen & Company conference. Exactly. But yeah, so basically the organization has become known as the 
coveted group of CMOs and CEOs invite only like exclusive vibes. That's how it's grown. Exactly. I talk about it all the time. Now we know how to spell it. And it's been something that I've been thinking about a lot lately as we've been trying to grow the network and how do we make a better community? How do we create a community that people want to be part of, who want to pay for it probably. And so we wanted to call you to give us the secret sauce. Well, I am I'm honored to be included and share our secrets with the world. This is an interesting kind of business because what it really is isn't necessarily a product or a service. It is valuable because of the people that you can bring together who then create value for each other. That's a real trick. That means that this isn't just about building something that people like, but engaging them as well. And even if someone's not looking to build a business exactly like this, there's something inside of this that I think is really valuable for anyone to be thinking about, which is how to pull people together, how to engage them, how to make them feel connected to you and to others. That's a hard trick. 100%. And you know, I would absolutely echo that point that we are nothing without our members. We work with you know the biggest brands in, in the world, whether it's MasterCard, McDonald's, Coca-Cola. Really, our goal is to be expert curators in a way of how, who are the people that should be together that will have the right conversation that will deliver that value uh, across the group. Because one of the things that we we look at as a, a metric for success is just the volume of partnerships that come out of our community, because that means we know that it's it's working. At our most recent summit, we celebrated a deal that a partnership that came up between Elf Cosmetics and American Eagle. You know, you have two brands that maybe on the surface might not naturally go together, uh, but because both of those organizations and the CMOs there, Corey and Craig are incredible at tapping into Gen Z. You know, it was a natural fit for them to partner together. And so we want to celebrate that and share their their story. And we don't take a cut of anything that's not our business model. So what is it then? Yeah, so it's all based on memberships. Every member has a fee that they pay to be part of the organization. That's everyone's kind of ante to the group. You know, you're going to contribute to the group. You're going to be part of it. Obviously, that funds everything that we do from our summits to our regional get-togethers. But also, I think it's important for us to be able to stay true to ourselves to not take any cuts of any deals because people know there isn't anything behind the introductions that we're making or the conversations that we're having with people is we just want interesting people to know interesting people. And if people get to know each other on that level, more personal level, they're more likely to do do business together. That gives some uh, the the community a bit more of trust with our motivations that it's just memberships and, and nothing beyond that. So it's an easy sell to have somebody impressive join a community when you're able to say all of that. But you don't start a community with all of that. You don't start with these super, super impressive people, or at least not as many of them as you have. So if we rewind here, how do you start to build something like this? How do you reach out to, in your case, very busy, accomplished people? But not all communities are that. You know, sometimes you're bringing together people who are entry level and they want to accomplish something and they want to grow together. So there's all sorts of different ways to do this. But how do you begin to attract the likes of Nicole Lappin to a community that doesn't exist or is in its early days. 
What's the pitch? Yeah, I mean, and, you know, all credit goes to our, our founder, Roman Sunder here, who had the idea 15 years ago. That was one thing. It was just people were talking about stuff that he was close with. And he's like, OK, there could be something here. Let's get some some people together. And then I think the second thing is you have to be true to what you're you're trying to accomplish. And really, in those early days, it really was getting interesting people together to talk about what's going on in culture, what's next, how do we stay ahead of this, and continuing to do that over time as long as people are finding it valuable. It's interesting, as I hear you give that answer, I'm reminded of this book that Andrew Chen of A16Z wrote called The Cold Start Problem, which is about the challenge of building a business that relies upon network effects. What the hell is any of that? Because that was a bunch of jargon. Andreessen Horowitz, which is a fancy tech-focused VC firm, so the people who work there are very smart and have their hands in all the startup stuff. A network effect is when a business becomes more valuable when more people are engaged with it. So Tinder, for example, is a business that requires a network effect. The product could be amazing. The swipe technology could be great, but it's not a useful product unless lots of people are on it. And the same is true for all sorts of other businesses. Airbnb, another one. The only reason Airbnb is useful is because there are lots of places to rent and there are lots of people looking to rent. That's the only reason why that business is successful. There are a lot of businesses that require network effects. But the problem is that that's really hard to get going because how do you get a whole bunch of people to use something at the same time so that they all find each other valuable? And that, Ryan, is what you're describing. And Andrew's answer to that question is counterintuitive. He said that, you know, the cold start problem is the name of his book because how do you start cold on something that requires a lot of people? It's really hard. And the answer is always you start really small. You start really focused. It has to be a tiny community. You know, Tinder, again, is a great example where he, you know, the point he made was like, look, if you launch Tinder and your first 50 users are distributed evenly across all the United States, you know, there's one person in New York and one person in California and one person in Ohio, Tinder is useless because these people don't have an opportunity to meet each other. But if you launch Tinder and its first 50 users are all at the same college, well, then it becomes a lot more useful because now they can interact with each other and use it. And so starting really, really small can allow you to grow. And that's what I hear you saying because you're describing the origin of Patel as something that wasn't structured to be some big giant thing. It was actually just about pulling a small community together. And once they're engaged, then other people want to join. Absolutely. No, I, well, first of all, appreciate the Tinder plug since Melissa, the CMO of Tinder, is a member of ours. So, of know, course, got to give her a shout out. But you're, you're absolutely right. Regardless of how good the idea is, you can't be overconfident enough to think that this is something that thousands of people are going to want because I have this one great idea. Even if it is a great idea and maybe thousands of people want it, you do want to have that real time feedback and, you know, smaller controlled groups of like, oh, I initially thought it was going to go this way. But based on this conversation, maybe we tweak it a little bit. And I think that's what Roman did really well those first few years. And, you know, Nicole could probably speak to this better than I could, is it was that constant turning of the dial of like, okay, we're going to talk about this, we're going to have this type of, you know, marketing executive, but maybe it, it shouldn't just be marketing. It should be brand presidents as well. We should have some uh, talent, celebrity talent who are working with these brands, you know, get that right curated group to ultimately build it to where something can, can 
sustainably grow. And what I always felt is that it was like the anti-conference. I mean, it's the only group that I've been part of for this long. And it was because, you know, it didn't feel like it was a transactional thing. You trust the baseline. Everybody's doing cool shit. You're going to be interesting. Now let's just relax and go make a candle or whatever. Exactly. (laughs) Or goat yoga, like you said. (laughs) I love to go yoga. I did it twice. Or jump out of a plane or do like an ice bath with Wim Hof. Or, you know, I'm trying to think of like all the cool activations, you know, write poetry with Inkyo. Can you talk to me about some of those activations and how that's played a role in creating not only relationships between the members, but that longevity. Yeah, absolutely. When you get super successful people together is you want to allow them to let their guard down. And the best way to do that is to put them in an interesting scenario. And so one of the first things that we typically do at our our summit, which is our, our tentpole event, and we have other events across the course of the year, is we have kind of an activity block where it is a mix of many different things from pottery making to skydiving to paintball to pickleball you know it's really just a place to you're in a group with 20 members you signed up for the activity but you didn't know who was going to be in there and you just do it and conversations and relationships kind of start to happen and then we kind of take that block of time to then go into more of the business focused conversations where we might talk about non-nuclear families and how to advertise to a growing segment of the population or you know trends in ai and how marketing departments are doing that so you know we're all we're not all fun and games we make sure we get the business content in there as well but that's how you can get people to uh, be more authentic and establish those stronger relationships is just push them a bit out of their comfort zone so so they're on an even playing field with everyone else stick around help wanted we'll be right back nicole have you ever thought about the one that got away jason i am happily in a relationship you know that no the hire that got away someone that you thought was perfect for your team but ah, they were already with another employer Oh, well, in that case, yeah, I think about her all the time. Well, it's not too late. You can reach out to that person on LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you hire professionals that you can't find anywhere else, even people who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. Okay, looks like it's time for me to shoot my shot. Do it. And I know you may have your heart set on one person, but if you do want to open it up and post a role to a bigger applicant pool, you can do it for free at linkedin.com slash help wanted. And because there are so many professionals on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within just 24 hours. So you'll never have a one that got away again. Incredible. That's linkedin.com slash help wanted. Yep. LinkedIn.com slash help wanted. Terms and conditions apply. Happy hiring ever after. Welcome back to Help Wanted. Let's get to it. I have been thinking a lot about community. Nicole and I are talking about it for MNN, and I've had a lot of other conversations with people about it. And one of my big blocks is that I don't understand the consumer for community because I am not that. I am not a part of anything. I have literally zero groups in my life. Uh, I've never joined any kind of professional organization or any group of any sort. And I don't feel uh, like I'm lacking uh, in my life because of it. And so I am curious, Nicole, because you joined this, what was happening 
in your life at that moment? Or what were you thinking? Or like, what was the thing that you heard that made you say, I need to join this organization that's going to bring other people uh, that I don't know together. And I'm going to like, go do activities with them. And uh, like, it's, it, it sounds very nice, but I, I just, it's so foreign to me as a thing that I would do. Uh, even though I completely understand all the benefits that you guys are describing that, um, how, like, what is the way in which this consumer gets converted? The lack of hard sell uh, for me has been really attractive because, you know, yes, it's not all fun and games, but some of the activities or some of the speakers are just intellectually interesting. Like, I don't necessarily want to hear about podcasting and media. I just want to hear from like a sword swallower or some like, you know, the CEO of Virgin Galactic. I remember, uh, you know, one year hosting one of the events and, you know, introducing the sword swallower and then the CEO of Virgin Galactic. And I was like, this is just cool. Like as an intellectually curious human, I'm just like, I feel better and richer because of it. But it's, you know, it's a fine line between that soft sell and having some fruits to show for, you know, business wise, because I think like we'd all be lying to ourselves if that wasn't part of it. But how do you curate that behind the scenes? Because you said like, well, we put people in, you know, these groups of goat yoga or whatever, like behind the scenes, you guys are curating some magical, you know, potential serendipity by curating these groups or doing something like kind of Oz like, you know, behind the scenes. Ooh, yeah. What does that look like? I picture <laughs> I picture like a lot of note cards. Right. Like exactly. Nicole's name is on one. And you're just like, oh, I don't think she'd want to do goat yoga with that person, but maybe that other person. Man, just needing to give away all the trade secrets here. I guess that's what you guys are good at. It's a great question because there's a ton of behind the scenes work and that's really what our team prides themselves on is you know making sure that when a executive comes to one of our events, everyone is getting a very unique experience in that particular event. And it's tailored specifically for them. And they absolutely have some say in what they do. So everyone gets kind of a, here's what's going on across the couple of days, prioritize what you're interested in to your point of the activities, like what are your top three? So we're not just like throwing someone in goat yoga that's afraid of goats, that would be terrible. So we wanna make sure, you know, there's that baseline of what do they want to do? But then also, you know, we know our members, we know their businesses, we're constantly looking at, you know, what are their strategies? What are markets they're trying to get into? Where did they previously work? you know, where are they in their, their life cycle or job cycle? And then making sure that given what we know about them, who are the right people for them to get to meet or get to reconnect with her. And so we try to make that invisible, you know, happen behind the scenes. And like, like you said, very Oz-like, um, sometimes maybe it's more obvious than, than others, but we just want to make sure that you, every member feels that intention that's being placed behind it. Yeah, because like authenticity is such an ick, I think, in business. But you you said it, and I think you guys are the closest to it. It's not like faux authenticity. There are these events. And, you know, again, I have cheaper ways to do goat yoga than paying a gajillion dollars to Patao. So that's <laughs> like not why you show up. But I hope the goats are well compensated for all this. <laughs> <laughs> and for all the listeners, it does not cost a gajillion dollars, but you know, that's... <laughs> but it kind of does. Let's talk about it. How much does it cost, Ryan? 
It depends on the size of the organization and the type of organization, you know, we, we have in the tier of membership that you have. So we have the membership community. And then if you're a Batown member, we also have Batown Next. So if, which is for key direct reports of our members. So that's another uh, summit that we put on, which is kind of the learning and development arm. So there's like different uh, ways in which uh, we, we work with folks. Uh, but give us a range. Give, give me a range. Yeah, no, it's, I would say our average spender is around 30k 30k a what a year yeah that's all that's a it's like a jillion dollars hello it's not a gajillion but i mean for a lot of people that's a gajillion (laughs) dollars ryan not for billion uh billion dollar organizations so what i will say is if you the roi on that can be very clear so if you go to a patel event meet someone that you form a great relationship with ultimately do a deal you know one brand partnership would easily pay for for that relationship. And that's not the promise we want to give people. Again, we have a non-solicitation policy. You can't come and like pitch your stuff. But, you know, to, to what we've been talking about, if we put people in that right environment, people will end up working together, you know, as long as we're, we're doing our job on the front end. A hundred percent. And when people think about starting a community, Jason and I have talked about this too, like you can have a small community and have them pay a gajillion dollars, or you could have a large community and have them pay $5, but they're both a lot of work and both you can model out and get you to the same place. So how have you thought about the price versus scale calculus? I think part of it is just, you know, we don't, we've never wanted to bite off more than we can, we can chew, you know, when we look at our growth plans and our community management plans, like the easiest way for Patau not to be cool anymore is to, you know, try to do too many weird things or go, you know, push people too far outside of their comfort zone or do too many events and it gets slimmed down. So, you know, we're constantly looking at what is that sweet spot of the right amount of events, the right locations to do events, how frequently we can bring people together, the right content to look at. And it's just that delicate balance over over time. So if you were starting this now and you were looking at community as a service, because like everything is as a service these days, what would you do? How would you start? I would think about what are the what are the individuals out there that, you know, maybe there's a subset of people that are working on the same thing or looking at the same thing or trying to do the same thing and they're not talking as much or, you know, there's you feel like there's some, you know, I feel like it's it's kind of simple advice, but it is just that what what's untapped that you have a passion about. And if you're passionate about it, if you feel like there's there's a gap in the market and you can kind of stay true to Really, we, we truly want to build community. This is, yes, if business follows, business follows. But that's the great thing about communities, I think, is if you if you truly are passionate about building the community, the business will follow. And so that's just what you have to stay true to. And exclusivity or no exclusivity? I think it, it just depends on the type of community you're looking for. You know, I think the reason we've gone down the exclusive role is because there are so many non-exclusive communities that our members belong to. So, you know, how can we stay very curated, limited numbers, you know, is because the opposite is out there plenty. And so, you know, maybe if we were starting now and there was many communities that were super curated and super intimate, we could go the scale route. It's just kind of finding that that gap. Yeah. So you have like the summit, some of the offline events, and then you have some like off-label services, such as trying to find a cool husband. You know, listen, we 
it, we are a community and there's times where we'll dabble in the matchmaking space. How has that gone? <laughs> I don't know if I want this story told. <laughs> I mean, you teed it up. There's no way it can't happen now. So we were at the Cannes Lions Festival over in Cannes, France. And this year we had a lovely event. And one of the attendees at that event was uh, one of my favorite football players. I didn't know who that was. <laughs> oh, come on. You don't know who Jeez. No, but you were explaining that he played football, and but he looked short. So I was like, really? And he's Jewish. What? I'm confused. Right? So just, it, I just felt like they would be a good vibe together. So tried to, you know, make a quick introduction. You know, he's he seems like a very cool guy. He was having fun at the party. Nicole was having fun. Just felt like a natural fit, you know? But it didn't work out, Nicole? I didn't know what to say. I was a, like a weird, awkward I'm a weirdo. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we can put you back in touch if you feel like you didn't get that, you know, right interaction there. Here's what I want. Ryan, put them back in touch. I demand goat yoga at the wedding. That's what I want. <laughs> Help Wanted is a production of Money News Network. Help Wanted is hosted by me, Jason Pfeiffer. And me, Nicole Lappin. Our executive producer is Morgan Lavoie. If you want some help, email our helpline at helpwanted at moneynewsnetwork.com for the chance to have some of your questions answered on the show. And follow us on Instagram at Money News and TikTok at Money News Network for exclusive content and to see our beautiful faces. Maybe a little dance? Oh, I didn't sign up for that. All right. Well, talk to you soon.